Hello, friends. Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics podcast. My name is Joe Lynch. Thank you so much for joining us today. On the Logistics of Logistics, I talk to experts in logistics and transportation, warehousing, fulfillment, supply chain, and of course, technology. And during these interviews, I'm always the one asking the dumb questions. I ask the dumb questions so you don't have to. Today's topic is becoming a better salesperson with my friend, Nick Klingensmith. Nick is the founder and CEO of Stride Motivation, a company dedicated to transforming lives through inspiring keynote speeches and mindset coaching. Before starting Stride Motivation, Nick was a very successful salesperson in the logistics space who was plagued by lots of health issues and a really bad alcohol problem. He overcame his problems, and now he's helping salespeople overcome their problems and reach their professional and personal goals. If you want to become a better salesperson, please take a listen. How's it going, Nick? Good, Joe. Happy to be here. I'm happy to talk to you. We've been blabbing offline for so long. <laughs> so you're a good person to talk to. So Nick, please introduce yourself and your company and where you're calling from today. All right. My name is Nick Klingensmith, and I am with Stride Motivation. I'm a motivational speaker and coach calling out of Tampa Bay, Florida. Very nice. Very nice. We all want to be in Tampa Bay. It's a beautiful day up here in Michigan today. No need to leave, but I know it's coming. <laughs> Nick, at Stride Motivation, who do you serve? Who's your sweet spot? So I'm an expert in propelling other achievement-driven professionals and leaders to overcome fear and rejection to take purposeful action towards their goals. So People in their lives, professional and personal lives, who are trying to do better with their lives. Yeah. And by the way, right now in the freight space, we're talking in December, but this probably won't publish till January. Everybody's looking and saying, yes, it's got to be. 2024 has to be better than 2023. If you're in the freight space, it has been a rough market. And people are spending less. A lot of companies are struggling. And it is really easy to get in this doom loop of fear, which is demotivating all by itself. So it can be motivating or demotivating, depending. There's a whole bunch of reasons to be checked out and not have the not being on your A game. And I always say this, Nick, and you will get into some of these in a minute, but when you're winning, it's motivating and you get a new customer, you're more likely to get a new customer a week after you got a brand new customer than you are if you have a, a spell where nothing's happening. Because we start to panic. We start to clench up a little bit. We become all the things we don't want to become. <laughs> we become weak, afraid. We become desperate. Yes, we become our, our lesser selves. Yeah, the uh, more and more sales reps right now, especially in this industry, are disengaged. They're disconnected. They're isolated. And they're a little bit lost, a little bit without direction. And when you're not enjoying that success, those four walls, they get tighter and tighter. It gets darker and darker earlier and earlier every day. Yeah, yeah. Especially up here in the Northeast and the Midwest. <laughs> it's dark already. So anyway, Nick, tell us a little bit about you. Where'd you grow up? Where'd you go to school? Give us some career highlights before you started Stride Motivation. I am originally from Martha's Vineyard. I was born and raised an Islander. So I grew up in Massachusetts. And I went to the University of Massachusetts, where I studied legal studies and history because I expected to be a lawyer and then go work for the FBI, none of which happened. <laughs> and as it turns out, after I graduated college, law school costs money. And so I got a job. Yeah, it turns out there's a lot of money. 
And so I, I took a job working for a telecommunications company in Springfield, Massachusetts. And that's where I cut my teeth in sales and I never looked back. Yep. And you worked in the logistics and transportation space, right? Yep. So I spent my first four and a half years in telecom sales doing outside business to business. And that's when I moved to Florida, where that was 2005. And I started working for a small shipping company known as United Shipping Solutions, which was a DHL reseller and also sold freight. But in 2009, after DHL made the announcement to pull out of the U.S., the particular franchise that I worked for, we staged a coup d'etat and became a company that's known as Blue Grace Logistics. Yeah, very nice. They've had some success. So you were there for a while? I was there for 14 years. I left I left in January of 2019. And I'm still very close with a number of the executives at the company. They're good friends of mine. There just came a point where I felt my career needed to take a different direction. Yep. I get, I'm curious. When you say you grew up on Martha's Vineyard, how long had your family been there? Were they one of the families that moved there in recent years? Uh, no, we're Islanders. We're, you could actually track me all the way back to Thomas Mayhew, who did not have the best reputation as a human being, but he was one of the first, he was the first white settler on the vineyard. I've also got- Is that a big island? No, it's 11 by 27 miles. Although if you were going to drive it, I was there in September and a 10 minute drive might seem like an hour and a half. So you grew, did you grow up there where it was just uh, kind of quaint and a few nice houses and then it blew up into big money? It's always had the big money aspect. The thing to differentiate is there's people like me who were Islanders, born and raised, blue collar. I was serving muffy, muffins and coffee. We're the cab drivers, the bartenders, the landscapers, the people actually doing the work. But when I would work at this- You fund- weren't a retired government person with uh, unlimited funding. <laughs> no, I was not. But the place that I worked at serving coffee and muffins when I was a kid was directly across the street from the yacht club. We're talking about the uber wealthy and those 14, $15 million homes spread out along the water. But back then, those people, they came in the summertime, it was this huge party, and then it was just a ghost town come winter. But from what I understand <laughs> now is that- They stay around. Yeah. During the pandemic, a lot of people flocked to the island. And so the houses that were really expensive then are just impossibly expensive now. Yeah. I noticed that about all- So I'm in Michigan. So if you go up to Northern Michigan to like Traverse City- it was when you used to go to Traverse City as when I was a kid, it was like, oh, we have a cottage. And one thing when they said a cottage, it was a cottage. You were lucky if it had indoor plumbing. Now when someone says, come to my cottage, what they mean is I have a mansion on the lake. <laughs> and in the past, it was like, yeah, we go up there. It's fun. It's a little rural, whatever. Now it's just, and by the way, I love it up there. Wineries and <laughs> and expensive restaurants and spas. And you're like, whoa, where did it all go? And that's the same wealthy Detroiters go north and then uh, Chicago people all go to the West Coast of Michigan. Same thing. And uh, <laughs> what used to be cottages are now mansions. Yeah, it's, everything's been refurbished up there. Like I remember when I went up there for a couple of days in September looking at Airbnbs and places to stay, like a refurbished chicken shack that I used to get drunk at in high school was 500 a night. <laughs> Very nice. Very nice. I guess these are all good things. Anyway, Nick, you've had an inch. We talked the other day for a long time, and then we talked before we hit record. You've had some interesting challenges in your life. So talk a little bit about those interesting challenges you faced and how that led to you starting Stride Motivation. Absolutely. I was 25 years old and living life, just working my career, putting things together. And, and then all of a sudden, a lot of things started happening. In that time, I'm a four-time cancer survivor. 
I'm a type one diabetic. I'm a recovering alcoholic. I have seven herniated discs from two different car accidents. I have nerve damage, sleep apnea. I'm probably forgetting a couple of things here, some attitude adjustment problems I may have. So I, I spent <laughs> a lot of time in my life as a victim, feeling like I was a victim and not living up to my potential. Even the self-inflicted stuff. <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. And that's part of it, right? Because I, I would build this wall around me, self-justifying my shortcomings, self-justifying my anger and resentment to my attitude and the ways that I could have been a better human being or a better leader. And so it wasn't just like bad things happened. It was like bad things happened and let me make it worse. <laughs> and for a while, that's the bubble that I lived in. Even when I stopped drinking, even when I got sober and I was starting to live a better life, there was still something missing. I still felt like maybe I was a victim. Maybe life was so unfair. And that's when my former boss, um, App Blue Grace, walked into my office seven years and two months ago and asked me to do a Spartan race with him, which I had never heard of before. It's an obstacle course race. It was eight to 10 miles long in the trail. And it sounded like nothing I wanted to do, even a little bit. It was not interested in being that uncomfortable. And that's when I went home that night and I thought about it. I had just beaten cancer decisively for the fourth time. I had just been promoted. I was running my own department. I was dating a new girl, which is my now wife. I literally had everything in the world going for me. And yet I was lost. I felt empty. And I already was that uncomfortable. I took him up on that challenge, and this past weekend, I completed my 97 Spartan race. Dude, that's crazy. <laughs> that's a lot of work. <laughs> it, it is. It's definitely, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of training. It's a lot of travel. But my, my life transformation has been part of that process. And to me, obstacle course racing isn't a hobby. It's not a weekend thing. It's a lifestyle. It's something that I'm, I'm fully committed to because it's been about personal development for me. and. All, ultimately, all of the lessons that I have learned and continue to learn through just overcoming my personal adversity and actively seeking new challenges is where I find the fuel and the content and the lessons that I can share that will resonate and help with other people. And that's what stride motivation is. It's motivation to help you hit your stride. I'm not telling other people how to live. I want to help them be better versions of themselves. Yep. And by the way, I think... Even for somebody, I consider myself motivated. I consider myself a positive thinker. And every once in a while, though, I'll notice something in my head that is negative. And I said it to you before we hit record. There's always blather on the internet. There's always people talking about, oh, the Democrats or the Republicans or this team or that team. And I saw something, and it was from the Stoics, but I think it was Ryan Holiday said it. He says, look, do you find yourself labeling? or judging, or having opinions about stuff that you don't need to have an opinion about. That is when you're not working on yourself. That is when you're not pursuing your goals. You're a critic at that point. The guy in the arena, whoever it is that you're criticizing, and by the way, it could be anything where you go, oh my God, I can't believe that's our quarterback. We should find a better quarterback. Yeah, that guy most likely is living his best life. That's why he's on TV playing quarterback. You are the critic. And it's really, I consider myself motivated. I consider myself positive, all those things. It is really easy to find yourself sitting in your ass, being critical, condemning, 
complaining, judging, labeling, having opinions on stuff that is no need for you to have an opinion on. And again, I, I realize the world doesn't need me to have an opinion on everything. I have opinions on the stuff that are close to me, that I can control. These are all outside my locus of control. I can bitch all I want about the world. Why our quarterback sucks, why this happens, why our, our what name the problem. And it's a loser mentality. As a Red Sox and Patriots fan, I can definitely understand about complaining about my sports teams right now. But Oh my God. I'm, I was a Patriot fan when Tom Brady was there because I'm a Wolverine and we don't have professional football until recently here in Detroit. So we took 75 years off. So now that we, <laughs> so everybody who's a Lions fan always has a playoff team. It's accepted. I have my main team and then I have my playoff team. So Tom Brady was a perfect. And by the way, it, if you ever look at I know half the country, probably two thirds of the country hates Tom Brady, but he was a guy who wasn't supposed to succeed, who just kept coming. And if you, when he was at University of Michigan, he was the fifth or sixth string quarterback. He wasn't going to come back for his senior year. And when he did come back for his senior year, he had to compete for the job again, the job that he thought he won. So he's had every step of the way challenges that seemed this isn't going to work. And it worked. <laughs> yeah, I'd say so. <laughs> anyway, Nick, I love what you're doing. So let's talk about some of the challenges that you see. We'll, we'll talk about an approach to getting better. This is a freebie. Normally you get charged for this. But let's talk about some of the challenges that, that sales teams in particular find themselves in right now. There's a couple things at play. And again, a lot of it has to do with the fact that five years ago, every job description out there for a sale said, we want high tempo, high energy, team players, extroverted, happy-go-lucky, yay. And so we hired all these people, we took them, and then we sent them home with a laptop and we don't talk to them anymore and wonder why their motivation is fading. And we wonder why, and I, I heard this stat the other day, so I can't, I don't know if it's true, I'm regurgitating it, that 60% of people on LinkedIn are looking for other jobs right now. So I don't know, there's probably some way to verify, or I'm sure LinkedIn does stuff on that, but there's at least a high degree of truth to that. If you look in logistics right now, half the postings are about people looking for work and the other half people hiring, but there is a disconnect. And a lot of it has to do with that people aren't connected to the people that they're working for. We don't understand, they don't understand the mission they're trying to do, they're isolated. So there's a lack of focus that is coming. And to what we were talking about earlier, when you start to hit that brick wall and you're getting more and more discouraged, not everybody's Tom Brady. Most of those people aren't coming back for the senior year. Oh, yeah. I would say also that not everyone is Tom Brady, but even Tom Brady would, if he was here, and he should be, <laughs> would say, it's not every day that I feel that. I feel some days where I, I didn't feel that way. I felt demotivated. I felt defeated. And I think one of the challenges also, I'll, we talked about it before we hit record, in the olden days when we had phones, before even pre-mobile phone, we would make phone calls and no one knew who was on the other line. And I joke about it. It was almost inconceivable that you didn't answer the phone when it rang <laughs> in the past. That was just an accepted thing. Who knows? It could be my kid's school. It could be my mom's not feeling well. Like it could be my friend in need, right? I got to pick that phone up. And it wasn't when it was a salesperson, so be it. All right, I got to talk to them. And 
that's not the way we deal now. Now it's the opposite. And now I look and go, oh, that's from my area code. That's probably a scam. If somebody calls from my area code, I'm very unlikely to pick up. It's weird because it just almost seems like the opposite would be true. But we don't pick up the phone. And when I say we, shippers don't either, right? They're no different than us. Shippers are not picking up the phone. But also, I've heard this at a number of conferences, a number of people have been on the podcast who'll say, shippers are tired of our nonsense. They are tired of the way we've decided to engage with them. And they, they are actively running in many cases. Where we have a young person who's 23, 24 years old selling spot, the spot freight mentality. And he's calling a senior vice president at a company because he somehow got their number. And that guy wants nothing to do with it. But if he did, he would want to talk to a president at your company. He would want to talk to somebody who was at his level. And then we also, now we have all the email addresses, but we brought a spammy mentality to email. And we have LinkedIn. We brought a spam. All the automation tools. I get a million emails a week, it seems. Uh, I get a ton of emails a week from people I didn't talk to. I don't know. And then I also get a lot on LinkedIn. And the ones on LinkedIn, now they're focused or real. <laughs> and I, <feel> that. <laughs> I get a lot of weird stuff, but it's funny. Like, how many people are going to ask me to buy a franchise? It's crazy. It's like, in, it's certainly in the hundreds have asked me to buy a franchise. And you go, why in the world am I buying a franchise? I got on some list of somebody who fits that profile and then it's never going to end. <laughs> I feel like I'll be at my, my funeral and somebody's going to stop by and try to sell me more franchise. There was a point where I could tell you exactly how many calls I had to make to get to how many people, to get to how many appointments, to get to how many sales for an average GP of X and this of Y. And that the, the activity level to get to that same result. And we're just talking about getting new business, right? We're not talking about farming the existing, going out and actively taking new logos from your competitor. And it's a dramatically different approach now, especially because to your point, there's also, there are also just farms of people who outsource sales development roles. There are so many ways that we are attacking the customers that we have hurt ourselves. And I just mean we as in logistic sales. And it hasn't done much justice for the customer because the fact is there's also more value and opportunity for them than ever before, but we're not presenting it to them. They're not hearing that aspect. Yeah. And by the way, I, of course, I'm going to say this because it's very self-serving, but it's also true. People are coming from the dark funnel. And with the dark funnel is I'm not going to download your white paper, Nick. I am not going to sign up on your website. What I'm going to do is I'm going to watch you on podcasts. I'm going to see... I'm going to see if I can figure out anything about you. I'm going to look at YouTube. I'm going to do as much as I can to understand who you are without engaging with you. Because I know if I give you my email, you are, if I give you my email on my phone number, you're going to start texting me and you're going to start calling me. And I don't know that you're the right fit. We have shippers and buyers everywhere now in the dark funnel who don't want to identify they want to investigate and we should let them investigate. So there should be, when I look for Nick Klingensmith, there should be podcasts like this one. There should be video clips like the one from this show. And there should be other stuff that they go, oh, I, I feel like I know Nick because I've watched him for a while. And we've talked about doing some motivation stuff. We've talked about some coaching. Now we're going to pick Nick and we know him already. And they show up 80% sold. 
you basically just have to not say anything stupid. They <laughs> call you. If, if at some point you know, they show up and go, Nick, we'd love to work with you. This is just don't drop the ball. <laughs> it's, it's a touchdown. Just catch it. <laughs> There's one aspect that I think we didn't talk about this before too, but because it is so much more challenging and the fact that you just mentioned is right, that shippers are their buyers are 80% of the way there before they engage with a salesperson. The problem is we're assuming that they know they understand their own problems. And we're, for a lot of mid-sized organizations, that's simply not true anymore because they've been siloed. They don't necessarily, if they are talking about, hey, let me engage with this guy. He might have capacity. Great. Everybody does. There's 15 other layers within that organization that aren't getting addressed. And I get it. You can't talk to every salesperson. You can't probably talk to a tenth of the salespeople, but they should talk to somebody. And the higher organizations will help consultants and people that they can reach out to. I think the way that we need to engage is we need to become the experts they're looking for, the expert who solves their problem. And that means you pick a niche. So you say, look, we only do retail or we only do heavy haul. I don't talk to people who need LTL. I only talk to people who move heavy machinery or turbines or I'm not talking to anybody who doesn't do heavy haul and I'm an expert in it. And I think sending a message, an email or leaving a voicemail saying, hey, we work with 20 other retailers and we fully understand what challenges you have, we'd love to work with you. That's a lot more compelling than, hi, we'll save you money and we got great new technology, blah, 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 we'll automate and streamline. Whatever your current spiel is, it it isn't going to impress them. They want solutions that are custom made for their space. And by the way, I've, said, I've advised very large shippers and even small shippers on selecting 3PLs. And I always say, just don't let them learn on your dime. Right. If Nick has never moved a cold chain load, that's fine. Nick will figure that out at some point. But you know what? Not on my dime. <laughs> He's going to figure it out on somebody else's dime. And that, by the way, we all have to learn. I'm not against people learning. I'm all for that. But if I am responsible for moving a whole bunch of cold chain food stuff, food and cold chain, I'm not talking to someone who doesn't do it. I'm not talking to a company that doesn't do it. It makes no sense. Yeah, there's sell to what you know, sell to your strengths, right? We don't have to be all things to all people. In fact, that's how you're going to be the least effective. And I'm talking to, to people in this industry all day, every day. I know you are too. And what I'm hearing from the people who are having the most success is that they're targeting a specific niche or we focus only on this. I talked to a, a guy on the phone two weeks ago. He's focusing on a particular lane. He's in the 3PL space and he. He's, no, I've got this lane all day. I am the expert on this lane. Yeah, I love that. I, I, I loved it. I was like, great. I can't help you. <laughs> you already know what you're doing. Good job. <laughs> yeah, and there's a lot of different um, niches out there, and it makes sense to pick one. And again, I just think it's a much more compelling pitch. But anyway, Nick, I'm going to want to talk to you. Before we hit record, we talked about one, two, three, four, five, six, six points that we wanted to talk about. And this is somewhat stealing a little thunder from your coaching, which is fine. The little freebie guys, normally you got to pay good money for this. But the first thing we talked about before we hit record was purpose alignment and talk why we need to get purpose alignment if we're going to become a better salesperson. So purpose alignment is aligning what we're doing with why we're doing it. Now, 
like we talked about before we hit record, there's always start with why and your purposes and why. And I talk about that all the time in my personal life too, but aligning what you're doing with why you're doing it. So if we're talking about the monotony right now and what seems to be the utter hopelessness of prospecting, if you are doing that and hammering out phone calls and emails and knocking out doors and sending out smoke signals just because we're trying to get loads, by the end of the you might or the boss wants me to or the boss <laughs> wants me to or because I have to or because I need to get it recorded in Salesforce or get this because I need a paycheck. Those are all reasons that are going to lose steam. That's why you're week one. You're like that new kid in school or the first day of school. And you're all excited. You're banging oh, on the oh, call three days this year. <laughs> <laughs> but by week three, you're knocking off at three in the afternoon and taking Friday off. And it's because we forget that we aren't working for them. Even my last couple of years in logistics where I felt the disconnect, I felt disengaged, but I had to remember I wasn't doing it for them. I was doing it because I wanted to do this. I wanted to build this life for myself. I want to help other people. And that was why I was going to ultimately support it. And by the way, there's people, our ancestors who worked in at farms and they worked in coal mines. They did work that was significantly harder than what we do. And there are still people doing that. And they're aligned, their purpose was, I want my kid to have a better life. And we still have those same purposes. Look, I want to take my family on a trip around the world. I want to send my kid to college. I want to pay off my house. I want to have, and, and again, I think the as you get older, you start to say, I, I know I say this, is I want to set a good example for my family, for my kids. They're young adults, but I want them to go, oh, my dad did it right. And it's really hard to say you should live your best life to your kids when they're like, dude, you don't. <laughs> and yeah, you're like, you're sitting there, you're sitting there watching TV with your, and you're disengaged from your work. That is not exactly the example you want to set for your children. And yeah, you want your significant others to look at you and think they're a great person and they're killing it. And that's the purpose. It's bigger than the money because at some point, if you're lucky, the money becomes less relevant. But even if it's, I desperately need it, you're right. It loses some motivation at some point. It, you're like, eh, the difference in 1800 and 1900 isn't worth the effort. <laughs> and when we think that it's like why a lot of younger salespeople flame out in sales to them, it's like an extension of college. Like they, they don't really know what they're building yet. By the way, I also say this, I haven't said it in a while, but I'll say it. Nick, if I had you come over and we were going to work in my yard, we're going to big, we got to dig a big trench in the backyard. And I say, here, I'm going to get a hand trowel for you, Nick. So you can uh, get busy and go, well, this, Joe, this is going to take all day. If I got a hand trowel, I'll say, hey, Nick, come on. It's a numbers game. Just, it's, it's a matter of how many times you stick that shovel with that hand trowel. And you're like, yeah, but I got one handful at a time. The right tool would be helpful. A spade or better yet, some sort of machinery would be <laughs> really helpful, right? And we love to tell young people that, oh, it's a numbers game. And you're like, yeah, it, it's just basically because you have personally don't have a, a message that you as the owner of the company, you as the manager of the sales team, you don't have a good approach for them. Therefore, it becomes a numbers game. I could tell you it's a numbers game, Nick. You, if you would just work a little harder with the tool I gave you, you'd be all set. Instead of having the right tools, which in my, my mind is having some sort of messaging, something that makes you different and better. 
And so often the boss and the boss's boss didn't work on that. And if they didn't work on it, that's no excuse. You can work on it. If you got to make a hundred phone calls, make them all to one space. Maybe it's oil, maybe it's automotive, maybe it's industrial, it could be food. There's 13 different niches. Pick one. Yeah. Be fine. Be an expert in their business. They can get talked to all day about, hey, here's what they don't read industry news. They don't care. They they expect that we know what we're doing. We they want to know that we know what they're doing and how to make it better. Yep. So we talked about the first thing, which was purpose alignment. And so once I have that purpose, I know why I'm doing it. And it's not just for the paycheck. It's not just because the boss will fire me. That works some days, but not every day. Next thing we had written down here, Nick, was goal setting in action. What do you mean by that? Now, this is where we're going to go a little bit different because this is where we actually take that higher level purpose of what I'm working for, which is probably more of an intangible vision. And then we're going to actually make it tangible. We're going to, so again, I, I was telling you about a buddy of mine that I talked to the other day and his, we were able to put a vision together of what he's working for, which is life experience and tr world travel with his wife. So good. So the next part of that conversation is we need to make it tangible. Like we need a date on the calendar and we need how much is it going to cost where you want to go? And then we can begin to work back. So I don't believe in setting small goals. Small goals have small motivation. I like picking almost abstract goals that I'm chasing, goals that are transformative, that are challenging, that are inspirational. But then we break it down into the manageable chunks and the manageable timeframes and the things that we can actually have tangible achievement. So goal setting and then taking action towards that goal. And I'll just reference my friend again, even though I was coaching him informally, at the end of that conversation, we set a next step because I want to know what that vision of his is going to be. I love it. I love it. So we got purpose and alignment. That's your why. Uh, the goal setting in action. And that's getting tangible with that. So what am I going to do today? And then we have the next one is current state assessment. What do we mean? Elaborate on that one. This is also what I call acceptance, which is accepting the reality of our situation. I'm an obstacle course racer and I'm a type one diabetic, which means I have a different regimen that I have to do than other people. I have a more to do to get to the starting line than some other racers. And it would be real easy for me to just use that as an excuse and when, but I, once I accept the fact that I have further to go to the starting line, all things are equal again. So in sales right now, we have to accept the fact that we're in a different environment. People aren't answering the phone. They're not responding to emails. We have to get creative. We have to get, we have to get specificity in order to help people. So it's accepting the situation as they are and basically looking at the obstacle or challenge in front of us understanding what our strengths and weaknesses are and what are the things to overcome, not ignoring the weaknesses, but rather identifying. I'm trying to play to your strengths if at all possible. And I, before we hit record, we were talking about this whole idea of there's certain people who are natural openers. I'm one of those guys. What When you find a natural opener like me, a lot of times you'll see that they struggle to do the follow-up. And then there's other people who are natural closers who struggle with the upfront piece of it. But once, once they got an opportunity they bring it home. And so a lot of times it makes sense to say, hey, we're going to buddy up here. Nick has got one strength. I've got another. And we're going to work together. Now, what you want to avoid is getting two openers together, two closers together. But uh, we all know we, we see it in our day-to-day -day work, how people have different strengths. And we want to partner with somebody who has a strength where we have a weakness. 
team is the sum of all parts. Yeah, exactly. So the next one we had written down here and uh, is removing mental roadblocks. Please elaborate. This is where a lot of us get stuck. This is when we hit these blocks. We aren't sure what they are. And so we immediately start coming up with excuses and blame. I'm just going to pick on myself. It would be real easy to put myself back into my sales chair on logistics a couple months ago, get discouraged when something doesn't happen. And then all of a sudden I start blaming the company. Our product isn't good enough. Our pricing isn't good enough. Our marketing isn't good enough. Tell me if anybody doesn't sound like anybody out there. My manager isn't helping me with this. Our scripts aren't good. All these excuses that we start creating that is actually preventing oh. us from succeeding. Because whether or not they're legitimate or not, I can't pay my mortgage with excuses. And sometimes it becomes rationalization. And a lot of this, when we find ourselves procrastinating, we start to rationalize why it happened. And I talk about this myself because it applies to me, is I have a whole bunch of things on my list of things to do. And I tend to pick, if I'm on my game, I pick the highest priority. If I'm off my game, I start doing all these other things that are easier things to go. Oh, yeah, I got I to gotta scroll on LinkedIn. I always got to know what everyone's up to. That's easy. That's fun. I should do that later in the day. That's that old book. And I still listen to it. It's called Eat the Frog. And it's if you have to eat a frog where you start <laughs> when taking the smallest possible bite. So you talk really small. That's how you begin. And I would also say we have willpower gets weaker as we get tired. It gets weaker if we're not taking care of our bodies. If you can get some exercise every day, if you can start eating right and getting a good night's rest, you'll find that it's easier to do the things you don't want to do. By the way, I'm not against drinking at all. You have, I'd like to have a few drinks. I will say this though, as I've gotten older, I notice it interrupts my sleep. I don't, if I have a glass of wine or two before I go to bed, I don't sleep well. I don't wake up energized. I'm less likely to work out. I'm less likely to work out that day, but I'm also less likely to eat right. And I'm, there's a good chance that I'm going to bring that weakness to my job. And you go, yeah, but I have two glasses of wine. It's especially as you get older. There's a ripple effect of all the little things. And I'll tell you, there's also, there's, it's a little for most people when you're young. When people have the Sunday scaries, it's usually 18 hours after their last drink. They have this anxiety. And especially if you had really did it up big and you might be embarrassed about what happened last night. I'm sure you can say, Nick. And you go, oh my God, I act like such an idiot. And now you start, people have heart attacks on Sunday nights. And a lot of it is related to anxiety, of course. But I think a lot of that anxiety is driven by, we didn't take, we're not taking as good a care of our bodies as we need to. One thing about the- So the mental, ro the mental roadblocks can be physical roadblocks too. I always say that physical endurance training is mental endurance training. We take care of our bodies, we take care of our minds. And one of the biggest things about the roadblock on all of this too, is taking personal responsibility. Like when I own the situation, there's no more excuses. I'm responsible for it. I may not be at fault, but I'm responsible. Yep. Nick, I'm sure you go to the gym and it's funny. I always think that- you're better off hiring people who go to the gym because they recognize I go to the gym and I try and eat right. It doesn't seem like it's noticeable, but I do it anyway. And I call sales and marketing off, especially marketing, is like going to the gym and eating right every day. It doesn't show up day one. Oh, I ate, I had a salad yesterday and uh, I worked out. I'm going to check and see how much weight I lost. See if I my pants still fit. <laughs> no, 
<laughs> you had to do that for another few years in a row if you're going to see anything dent in there. There was a mountain race I did this summer in Cincinnati or Indianapolis. It was right on the border. And we had to carry a 60-pound sandbag up the mountain. And it was really wet. Everything was wet. Everybody was slipping. And I basically deadlifted the sandbag, moved it up about four or five inches, put it back down. That's how I carried it up the mountain. It's it's a long day, but I just kept reminding myself, yes, I can. Yes, I can. Yes, I can. And I knew I wasn't going to live there forever. Yeah, yeah. It, my back hurts just from you saying that. <laughs> it, was a, it was a tough one. <laughs> so we talked about purpose alignment, and that's the why. We talked about goal setting and action. This is making it tangible. We talked about current state assessment, understanding your strengths and weaknesses. There's lots of tools out there. You should use them. And then once we do have some of those, we've got to start removing these mental roadblocks that are preventing us. And so often my, my coach at home, it talks about saboteurs. There's a lot of research now that tells you how to overcome these things in your head that, and again, some of it is like, Nick, just pick up the phone, make a hundred phone calls a day. Nick, send 10 emails a day. Network. And we all know the things we're supposed to do. Sometimes we just have some sort of mental roadblock that is preventing us from doing that. That's where personal accountability comes in, which is make sure you're ready for this fight. Make sure you are holding yourself accountable. And by the way, if you can't have personal accountability, then get a coach like Nick who says, hey, we every week and I'll hold you accountable. <laughs> accountability is huge. I even, I'm sorry, keep going. But yeah. And again, it, it's almost embarrassing. I've had these conversations, with my executive coach, which is all I got to do is this and this. And she'll say, how long is that going to take you? I'll say two hours. She goes, why didn't you do it already? And and it's almost, oh my God, what a dumbass I am. How can I not? Because there's some little mental roadblock. Who knows what it is? It's It has to be overcome. And this, this is the nature of sales. This is a mind game. A good accountability partner isn't someone who just checks to see if you did it or not. They're the ones who say, Joe, when are you going to do it? And then when you get a response like that, where they go, you go, no, Joe, when are you going to do it? And the, like, we're not moving on until there's a date on the calendar when I'm going to follow up. Yes. Yeah. I, I always joke about it. Like at the gym, when you're, when I was young, I played hockey or football or baseball. And I always say back then I worked out hard because I had a coach chasing behind me, calling me vile names. And, and it's a lot harder when you go to the gym and nobody's chasing you and calling you names. <laughs> so we have, to, we have to have that personal accountability, keep ourselves moving. I'll actually relate that for something for a second, because now I work out on my own. I haven't been to a gym in years. I run outside, I get my garage, whatever. But when I would go to the gym, I'm not the guy who likes it quiet. I need people there. I need that noise and stimulation. And yet I go back and I'm thinking about the remote sales force, the same thing. I need some degree of stimulation. Otherwise, it just some energy. Yeah. Like we feed off each other, which I think might segue into our next point. Yeah. And by the way, introverts often need a break from extroverts, right? From a lot of social activity. They lose energy if they're in places where there's too much socializing, right? Where extroverts lose energy if they're alone too much. So we all have to understand that's where that current state assessment comes in, what helps us work best. So the last thing we want to talk about is community and belonging. Please elaborate. I was a guy for a long time who felt like he was a lone wolf. And what I've realized, and what I've realized a lot, anytime I've gone out on my own professionally or personally, even now in a situation like this where I've just introduced myself to people almost in the, looking for help or guidance, and the amount of people, strangers, competitors who have reached out to help 
and just to make me feel part of something. It's another example of how nobody does this alone. We all need people. We all need to be part of something. And that's where I think in the sales realm, especially the reps are getting disconnected. They don't feel like they're part of their company. So they're not engaged. They're not having that interaction. They're not getting the strength of being part of a team. They're not sharing core values. They're not sharing experiences. They're not talking about the Monday football game or just any of the things that tie people together. And so if they're on their own, they tend to feel more on their own. And it's real easy to say, yes, I can do, I've done this all on my own, et cetera. But there is a fuel that is provided to you by being part of something that is bigger than yourself. Yep. Yep. I'm going to, I'm going to summarize this, then I want to get your final thoughts on it, Nick. So talking to Nick Klingen-Smith, and we're talking about becoming a better salesperson. Hopefully you're listening to this in January when everybody's gung-ho and wants a better year for 24. So we talked about purpose alignment, which is your why. We talked about goal setting and action, how we make that happen. We talked about the current state assessment, understanding not only the situation, but also how you fit in that situation, your strengths and weaknesses. Talked about removing those mental roadblocks, and sometimes those mental roadblocks seem almost insignificant, except if it's holding you back, it's holding you back. We talked about personal accountability. And last but not least, we talked about the community and belonging. Some of the energy that we can get from that community. Also, that does also wrap into uh, personal accountability. If you got an accountability partner, if you're in a, some sort of competition with three or four guys from the office, you're doing something to keep you connected to the world. And um, moving. Well, it's all about becoming a better salesperson. Final thoughts, Nick Klingensmith. Action conquers all doubt. We were thinking about that before, and I almost, I almost interjected with it. My final thoughts is this. The more resilient you are, the more resilient you become. The more you do, the more you become. Action conquers all doubt. It overcomes excuses. It overcomes all fears. Just keep moving forward. Yep. And by the way, Nick's there was research for a long time that would say, oh, everything begins with a thought. So if I need you to go to the gym, I need you to visualize going to the gym. Now, more likely people are saying, look, our brain follows the actions that we're doing. So if you say, I went to the gym, I don't feel like working out. But if you start going to the gym every day, at some point you're going to work out hard. <laughs> and, the, and then your brain starts saying, we go to the gym every day. That's what we do. And most of our thoughts in this life are habits of thought. It isn't fresh thinking. So it's the fresh thinking that is takes a little bit of energy to say, no, I'm the guy who does, who networks like a demon every day. And that begins again with the action, not with thinking about it, not about over planning. There is planning and then there's over planning. There's thinking, then there's overthinking. I think most of us know exactly what I'm talking about. I could tie myself in that straight jacket all day. So it's, that's why I have to make a plan in the morning and I attack it and I might call small audibles throughout the course of the day, but typically when I set the plan for the day, I'm going to be pretty disciplined in that to make sure that I am productive. And by the way, guys, we all, if you don't already know that, notice that it's true, you are much better at doing the hard stuff in the morning. Do that hard stuff in the morning. Make your hardest calls first. Yes. Yes. And by the way, the more hard calls you make after a while, you realize, okay, it's going to be a miserable two and a half minutes, but so what? I'll be, I'm going to make three of those phone calls. I'll be done in 15 minutes. I'm going to go have a coffee and 
uh, yuck it up with my buddies. <laughs> and then all other things become easier after that. And I used to do that where I would pick the easiest doors first. And then the rest of my day was hard. When I picked the hardest right. doors first, number one, you actually surprise yourself. <laughs> and number two, you're warmed up, ready to go. And then all other things, you don't have that anxiety. That's another way to maintain resilience. It's like right. getting rid right. of those little things that, that suck at your energy. Wears you down. Nick, I like to interview the rock stars from this space, the most interesting, bestest people out there. Who else should I interview? So I want you to, I want to get you introduced to a guy named Troy Bravenbauer. He's a good friend and entrepreneur in the industry. Currently, he is the CEO of a company called Don TMS, which is a technology for truckers. And most recently, his legacy in the industry has been he owned an asset based company called Brave Freight and logistics company as well. Awesome. Awesome. Hook me up with Mr. Braverman. Braver, Bravenbauer, I'm sorry. Bravenbauer. Yep. <laughs> I'm going to talk to him about changing his name. I like the brave part. It's the Bauer part. <laughs> so anyway. Uh, I what can't throw stones. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Nick, what conferences will we see you at in the new year? Joe, I am targeting Manifest. After your wise suggestion, I think that will be the first one we're looking at. Excellent. Excellent. That's in February in Vegas. And it is... Um, the future of logistics and supply chain. This year, there'll be many more shippers. I know there was a lot of shippers there last year. I was part of, I moderated the shipper panel last year, which was a blast. And it was great to hear the, what the shippers have to say, but everybody under the sun's there. I think there'll be over 4,000 people there. You, you walk through that space, and there's everybody in our industry is there. It's truly impressive. By the way, they also have a big show Last year, Nelly was there for the closing act. And the year before that, Ludacris, they haven't announced, I don't think, who's going to perform there. But it'll be great. So, Nick, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate you taking the time. Joe, thanks for having me. This has been a blast. You are most welcome. And thank all of you for listening to my podcast. Your support's very much appreciated. Until next time, Onward and Upward. You have been listening to the Logistics of Logistics podcast, where we engage with leaders in the logistics and supply chain community. If you like what you hear, please subscribe, hit the like button, and leave us a nice review on Apple or Spotify or wherever else you listen. Also, please check out our videos on YouTube and connect with us on LinkedIn. We're very big on LinkedIn. And you can also reach us on the logisticsoflogistics.com, our website.